beginning. I earned the shot to be the number one contender. Wait a minute. Helms has got Ken Helmsley, the pedigree. Yes. Damn it. Helms has got the pedigree. And Helms is going to SummerSlam. SummerSlam is my time to take what is mine, and that is becoming the WWF champion. Pedigree. Pedigree. Got it. Yes. Helms with the pedigree. Yes. And Mankind with a shot. Mankind with a shot on Helms. Oh. A double arm DDT on Austin. Mankind's got the leg hook. Welcome to the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And what an exciting first week of October. Holy shit. In the world of pro wrestling. Lots of changes, lots of moves, lots of shows going to different nights, lots of debuts. It was a packed week, so that is really what we're going to talk about mainly. I did want to mention that Jeff Hardy picked up a second DWI arrest uh, in as many years. Jeff was in Moore County, North Carolina on Thursday around 10.30. He was booked for driving while impaired and driving on a revoked driver's license. Yes, when they take your driver's license away, that usually means don't drive. He got a DWI back in March of 2018, also in North Carolina, where he blew a .25, uh, which is more than three times the legal limit. Damn. And of course, in July of this year, he was arrested for public intoxication, uh, just laying on Myrtle Beach somewhere. 
in some alleyway, and he settled that for like 100 bucks. That's not, I don't think that's really a big deal, but the WWE put out a statement, their now commonplace statement for DUIs and DWIs, that Jeff is responsible for his own personal actions. And Matt came out, because everybody was looking to Matt. What's going on? Why are you, you know, what's going on with Jeff? Why is and Matt Hardy comes out, and he just said, he's like, man, I'm not my brother's keeper. This news broke on Friday night when Matt was actually attending the premiere of SmackDown on Fox. Since so many have asked me about my brother tonight, this is from at Matt Hardy Brand on Twitter. I love my brother, and I want him to be happy and healthy. I've expressed that to him as much as I can. Jeff has to make his decisions about his life. I have to focus on my two boys and soon-to-arrive son. I can only control my actions so a very similar line to the wwe's line and that jeff is responsible for his own action but as we've discussed before and i think there's a difference between public intoxication where you're not endangering anybody when you're just passed out drunk somewhere and driving under the influence yeah there's a huge difference and if the wwe is eventually like if this story is like picked up by like mothers against drunk driving or some of those groups and they start hammering the wwe about just letting this slide with like the usos and now jeff hardy and other performers there's gonna there's got to be consequences i mean there are consequences in jobs where if you are like a delivery driver and you pick up a dui you are gonna lose your job probably you're gonna get suspended you're gonna face repercussions if you're in media if you are a public figure of any kind a politician there are going to be consequences for your actions and so unfortunately that's the way it works it's not like now if jeff worked at a convenience store there probably wouldn't be any consequences to his actions but he is a public figure yeah and so i just think that especially with drunk driving and and as many lives are needlessly lost for that i think that they should probably do something about it get him help or do something with uh discipline and actually i think they're kind of i think they're kind of watching themselves when it comes to giving out disciplinary actions because they don't want to piss off their employees and their employees jump because there's so many other options now they're not the number one brand anymore they're, oh, they're, well, they're still the number one brand. But I'm saying there's there's so many other options, and there's that's actually a good point that you bring up. I, I haven't even considered that really. I mean, I, even though I think we've talked about that before, but yeah, they're not going to just release you. They're just going to bench you, or you're going to work your contract out. That's yeah. really what this is. Because if this was 2002, 2003, he'd when, be fired on the spot. He'd yeah, be like, we don't, we can't have you doing that. Here you go. Yeah, and he and he was fired from the company for similar kinds of problems before on so. more than one on more yeah. than one occasion. So. Yeah, but just like everybody else, they welcome everybody back into the family. Even possibly CM Punk. This was the other news story I wanted to talk about that he actually auditioned for that FS1 show to be a part of it as an analyst, and his, which just makes him a total hypocrite in my opinion. As far as he went through all that hell with the the trial and the Colt Cabana podcast and and raised such a stink about it for him to just go back. Now, even though his defense, though, was, oh, well, it'd be Fox paying me, not WWE. But WWE is going to have a big role in what gets said on that show and who says it and what is said. And so you are not exactly working for the company, but you're working 
on behalf of the company. Yeah. And I just think if he is to take that job... It's going to blow you away, but I don't believe he'll take it. I believe he's going to look at the new exciting television show, AEW. He had that panel at StarCast, though, and you would have thought that if he wanted to be involved with AEW, that was the opportunity. I mean, they were in Chicago. There's no better place to do that. So I kind of don't see him actually going to AEW, and especially since he auditioned for this WWE show, that just tells me that I think he's going to take that job. I think he is. See, um, I just don't, man. I don't think he will. I think he's 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 really good at stirring the pot when it comes to the dirt sheets or whatever. But I think at the end of the day, the reason he didn't take the chance in Chicago was because of money. Now they're throwing out even more money. I think he's going to jump on it because deep down, like he even said, well, I'll be working for Fox or whatever. He doesn't want to work for WWE. And so I think this is nothing more than a, him stirring the pot and at the end of the day he's going to go there or new japan or something like that because i kind of can just even see him just not wrestling again yeah i i mean it's been years since he's actually wrestled other than that one um gts that he did at that indie show so we'll see uh never say never with wrestlers in retirement also i know i didn't want to get into a lot of news but one very final piece of news is that Edge shut down rumors this week that he was returning. He was highly rumored to be returning, maybe even debuting on SmackDown on Fox or re-debuting. That was going to be the big surprise. They went in a completely different direction. We'll get to that in just a minute. But he shut it down with a tweet. He said, no, I'm not, No, and no, I'm not, basically. And that was that's the end of it. So yeah. Adam Copeland not in a hurry to get back to a wrestling ring. He hit that spear a few months ago and caused all sorts of rumors to be yeah. flying. Well, let's just hit Monday, and we'll work through the week. Okay, yes. Monday night, uh, by the way, I've practically lost my voice, if you can't tell. Monday night, NWA TV tapings, live from the Georgia Public Broadcasting Studio, was unfucking believable One of the coolest things that I've ever been a part of. And well, you're the type of fan that they are definitely aiming for. And it was just so cool. And I had the experience of a lifetime. Went back on Tuesday to uh, kind of just look around a little bit and be more aware of the situation. Anyway, um, don't know if I'm legally about uh, able to talk about it. I don't know where all that stands, but yours truly could possibly be a part of a show that took place Monday night in regards to TV tapings, and we'll leave it at that. So uh, big things coming for me specifically. Uh, But, dude, it's just – it was – I cannot tell you how rabid the NWA fans were there. It was legitimately like an ECW pay-per-view or an ECW show. Or it was – man – NWA chants were coming out. I got into it, and I'm going, and just, man, somebody specifically, I'm not going to give away, you got to fucking watch it, but uh, somebody specifically showed up, and so I got the, you know, Captain Morgan chants going. I got 
just oh my god it was just such a rabid crowd and nwa hollywood has nothing on what we did and so the cool thing about it is nwa uh it is set to be coming out it's called nwa power or 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 the r is like three r's together so i i think we should just call it power see Um, everybody was asking that same damn question i'm just sticking with nwa power but proceed um the show will air weekly on youtube and facebook tuesdays at 605 a very um familiar time to fans of the National Wrestling Alliance, and it'll be available on demand the following Saturday on Fight TV. Um, you mentioned the tapings were on the 30th and the 1st, and the episodes will debut on October 8th. So by the time you hear this, um, it will have already debuted and it'll be available. I guess you could watch the rerun on YouTube, so it'll already be available as a rerun on YouTube, and then on Saturday it'll be on Fight TV and... I'm sure a free program. Uh, October 8th. Uh, it's going to be Tuesday night, so it's going to be the lead-in to Impact uh, when Impact moves to Axis, basically. So you can that's your Tuesday night wrestling block. The the cool thing about it, man, I, I cannot stress enough. I kind of broke some secrets to you as to what was going on, but you can look forward to former uh, WWE wrestlers making a surprise appearance former legends making a surprise appearance you know what i'm gonna it's been very well known but tuesday night the the rock and roll express became nine time nwa tag team champions did you attend the tuesday tapings i sort of kind of sort of kind of i was there without being a fan and we'll oh, okay it. i i thought you were just going to be there on monday i was there on monday and but the situation with stuff happening Monday, kinda, it was really freaking awesome. Just how many episodes did they tape? You did uh, five episodes on Monday, Monday, and then six episodes on. No, I take that back. You did four episodes Monday. You did five episodes on Tuesday. Were they 30-minute episodes? Hour-long episodes. Hour-long episodes. You got four and a half hours of wrestling Wow, that's on Monday night. That's a lot to ask, and, and you said the crowd was able to stay up for the whole, Dude, they whole did. time? They did. With multiple tapings in a row, do guys bring extra, like, are they reused in other episodes? Do they bring, yes. So do they bring different types? It was, it was there was a wardrobe lot of changes? wardrobe changes. There was a lot of, what was really cool is they were on Monday... This is fucking awesome. The pictures you took of the set and you put them on our Retro Wrestling uh, Podcast Facebook page and stuff. And and some other fans took pictures too and put them on Twitter. So there was no restrictions on taking pictures of the set or whatever. Yeah, David Lagana came out and that was a question that was asked. They said, we don't want to do anything. These were loyal fans. We don't want to do anything to give away results or anything like that. And he said, listen... We can't tell you not to do stuff. Legally, you're, you have the right to do what you want to do. But you paid the money to be here. They didn't. Why give them something for free when you paid to be a part of this? And so they were said, well, is it okay if we show the set? And he said, I don't have a problem with you showing the set. 
I think results, you know, because he said we we're going to have an absolute amazing two days right out of the gate on Monday. So he said giving away surprises, giving away holy shit returns, giving away all that. You don't really want to because then it kind of hurts us. But he said at the same time, we can't tell you what to do. And I think legitimately every single person in that audience has stuck to that because I don't I haven't heard of any stuff being slipped out, uh, which is really awesome. So there are loyal fans. Well, and I, I think that just people don't want to ruin it so that people watch the show. Yeah. Uh, and so it continues. Uh, I thought the set was beautiful. Oh, uh, you my can, God. You can forget about Raw and SmackDown's fancy new sets because I actually really liked what they did for NWA Power. I mean, it looked it looked like you were in a museum. It looked yeah. like you were in like the Smithsonian and they had pieces of the old Saturday night set and yes. had basically put it up. I mean, even to the cameras, even the cameras looked like they were from a different they were hard timeline. rolling cameras. They weren't like shoulder, you know, they were hard cameras, legit on wheels. You're rolling these big motherfuckers around. Yeah, but having like the interview set right there and the ring and the the flags of the nations. The commentary in one side, interview on the other, the hard camera facing the ring and the audience, and then right there the uh the curtain that you're coming out is right there, right past legitimately right past the interview set. Uh, Did they bother with uh, Titantron of any, like even like a TV or? No. Wow, they went they went real old and school. And they're they're piping in music, but it is TV tapings, so you don't get music. Nick Aulis walks out with the NWA title, and no to silence, no music, and the place goes crazy. But it's the same as like Flair walking out and walking straight up to the interview and talking shit with that title. It was just really fucking cool. I can't wait to see the way it's edited and put together. It's, it's, it sounds really awesome. Dude, It's I'm telling you, I cannot stress this enough. Move over, Impact. Move over, Ring of Honor. I'm not saying they're up to standards of WWE, AEW, and New Japan, but I'm telling you right now, for hardcore fans... You better step aside because NWA is coming and they're coming with a force. And I cannot stress that enough. If you tune in and you watch the first one this Tuesday and you tune in and you watch the next one, within two episodes, you will be hooked. Probably by the first one. But two episodes back to back, if you stick with it, you are going to be so hooked that that 605 Tuesday slot, you're at work, you're like, motherfucker, I can't wait to get home. I gotta watch it. This is gonna be awesome. Because it is so revolutionary. It's so classic. It's so uh, surprising with returns. But yet, it's so old school with with just like calm commentary and all. Just, I cannot stress this enough. It's gonna blow you away. It really is. Billy Corgan, David Lagana, and that whole crew has put together something that is magical. And it was announced that is their home. Atlanta is their home. TV tapings will happen in Atlanta. 
pay-per-views will happen in Atlanta. There is a pay-per-view this December coming up, so the TV tapings are going to lead into the pay-per-view. After the pay-per-view in December, we're going to have more TV tapings. It's it. Now, do you think they're going to do the pay-per-view from GPB? Mm, no, because he specifically said he's looking for a bigger venue. So Okay. Well, he did a whole press conference, and yes. I'll, I'll post uh, highlights from it um, here now. Drop some bombs on us. Power. Yeah, I, I'm gonna get you gonna say it. Power. Yeah, exactly. I I I actually want to do a thing where we get all the talent saying it. Yes. Yeah. I can see that compilation. Yeah, but I you got it. I, I like I like your take on it. Nice, nice, nice. How did you feel finally answering a question? Because that's all I've been seeing on Twitter, to be honest. What's that? What's the name of the show? When okay. can we expect it? When the schedule? Okay, yeah. And just finally dropping it this morning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's exciting because it's been a long journey, you know. I mean, David reminded me that it was three three years ago that we were at TNA, and I thought it was two years ago. And he's like, no, it's three years time ago. Flies. Yeah, yeah, time does fly. So uh, it's been a crazy journey since then, you know. Three years ago, I was embroiled in, in this massive lawsuit, millions of dollars, who was going to control the company. And now three years later, owning the NWA, starting to run TV, um, you know, actually being able to execute our vision the way we want, having fantastic talent. I mean, look at the roster of people that we have. I mean, so many talented people, so. You revealed the new women's championship, and you say that you want to go back to a more traditional with the title. Yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, certainly we've seen it, uh, particularly with the WWE. I think there's a real acknowledgement. It, it really did start with the, the UFC, where there was an thank you, there was an acknowledgement there that, that um, you know, that women in the business of fighting weren't, a special attraction anymore they could be a main event draw ronda rousey proved that yes. and you've seen it now recently in the last couple of years with uh, charlotte flair natty neidhart and of course uh, becky lynch so i think we're in this new era of innovation where um young uh, female talent in particular are going to be able to step into the world of professional wrestling and know that they're going to be treated at the exact same level of respect and uh, support that the, that the men uh, traditionally have and i think that's why i like going back to the traditional belt because when you hear the stories of what uh, the Mildred Burks of the world endured um, the abuses that they went through in, in a business which was very unkind to them and in fact even socially they were very it was very frowned upon to be a female wrestler back in the back in the day I think they would be proud to see uh, what the, what these young women have brought forward and and, and it's, it's certainly long over and so yeah and David Lagana a very nice guy I've listened to many interviews with him and uh, very fascinating what they're doing and yes to see where it goes from here and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see the way it's edited and put together and shot and everything um, that's the stuff that really interests me about it now much like the old Saturday night are there like squash matches I mean is that the majority? Really? It was, you so get it was, you get you get legitimate matches. Okay, you so they get, use their own talent. They didn't bring in. Locals. You're bringing in. Well, no, yeah, no. You're bringing in new stars that you may not know, but you're making them within the first four episodes. You're making them NWA stars. They weren't just squashed. No. Okay. You're. They're bringing in new wrestlers. Yes, some that you may not know. Some you may know from NWA Hollywood. Some you may know from the South. But within the first four episodes of just Monday Night Alone, those that you don't know, you quickly will know with interviews, with all that. And they, they're they there to stay. They've earned their spot to be a part of that show. So it's not like, 
a squash. Here we are. We're done. We're gone. And so you may have a face that you didn't see, a couple episodes you won't see, and they turn back up, but it's not full-blown squash matches. Um, it's, it's good athleticism. It's good real wrestling. If you are a Ring of Honor fan, if you are a New Japan fan, uh, real wrestling you're going to fall in love with this immediately and i think the great picture that really came out in the public is the hard camera facing tim storm the ring behind him and the crowd behind that and it just that that picture alone that david lagana took sets the stage for what you're about to come in contact with for what you're about to witness for the history and the making of tuesday 605 youtube and facebook and i swear to god check it out it's gonna blow you away all right so that happened on monday yeah monday night was the rebirth of monday night raw even though it was staying on usa network but a new commentary team a new set and i didn't get to watch raw obviously i did i did did not either because i actually went to bed at seven o'clock on monday (laughs) night but it seems like Monday Night Raw, the actual, the meat of the show seems pretty much the same. Dio Madden did decently on commentary. Vic Joseph, the, it's going to take some time for them to, uh, there were some uh, stumbles from what I've heard uh, amongst the three of them with Jerry Lawler actually leading the way as far as trying to keep them, the veteran. and in, Keeping them on the straight and narrow. Well, yeah, yeah, kind of guiding them along. And so... I think that's going to take some getting used to for that trio. It's strange still that Tom Phillips and Byron Saxton got completely cut out of this deal. In fact, Tom Phillips, uh, I think he's going to NXT UK is either the rumor or that's been confirmed. I'm not sure. but So it's just kind of odd that they went with in a completely new direction. Yeah. Uh, but the, the contents of the show, similar to what we've been seeing the last few weeks. So... The two things that I got coming out of it is Lana and... Yes, Lana and Bobby Bobby Lashley Lashley are doing a cuckold segment with Rusev, which is odd because just a few weeks ago, it was Mike Kanellis in the same exact position. Yeah. Sort of. So, I don't know. This has Paul Heyman's fingerprints all over it yes. it sounds like a that's what I, it's immediately what i was thinking when i heard about it and they've continued to build to this pay-per-view sunday hell in a cell they've only announced four matches for it yeah so we have no idea what we're getting into with hell in a are cell are you tuning which, in tonight yeah we're we are recording this on the sunday of hell in a cell i don't know how much i'm gonna do i might do the first couple of matches that's me i'm gonna tune in see they better get me going out of the gate or i'm saying to hell with it and going going to bed and then tuesday was a rare night off uh from pro wrestling basically uh, outside of the nwa tapings it was the first tuesday without a smackdown in quite some time since 2016 so we move ahead to Wednesday, and the Wednesday Night War officially kicked off. Man, okay, let's just shoot it straight out of the gate on NXT. The only thing that came out that somewhat sounded interesting, but I think is extremely stupid on their part, is 
that Finn Balor is now going back to NXT. Yes, but I actually think that's a good idea because what we were talking about in our last couple episodes is the NXT product that people love, the people that watch it on the network weekly, the weekly shows, not just the takeovers, because I only really watch the takeovers. They love those kind of wrestlers. They love good work rate. They love indie stars that they grew up with, basically, like Finn Balor, who was known... Kevin Owens. Yeah, Kevin Owens, who is not going to NXT. That didn't end up happening. But I think that's a good move. And I think you're going to see a few more people actually put on the NXT roster that are just wasting away on on the main roster. And But I think it goes, man... And, well, the only thing that I really didn't like about it is he was written off TV with the storyline with The Fiend. So now he looks like a real coward because... He ran from him. I ran from not just The Fiend. I ran from Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. I think he was a, technically a SmackDown star, but it didn't matter. But, yeah, so now he's in NXT, and I think that that's actually a really good move for him. And I think that people like Nakamura, Sami Zayn, people that really thrived in NXT, I think they should probably go back to NXT because the people that watch AEW, AEW is a TV-14 product. It's aimed at older fans. NXT, even if it's TV-PG. Like I said, you can do a good wrestling show without being TV-14 or TV-MA or whatever you want to do. So I don't think that really matters at all. But NXT is not geared towards children as much as the main roster product is. NXT is geared towards people like us, 30-something uh, men who keep up with a lot of pro wrestling and like good work rate and like storylines that aren't Bobby Lashley doing a cuck angle you know it's more just they fight because they don't like each other kind of stuff and AEW and NXT target the same audience so if you're going to go up against AEW then stack NXT with people in that same kind of realm people that worked in New Japan like the elite did like like of Finn Balor so yeah. I think that was a very smart move but they actually did have a stacked card I actually I didn't go back and watch NXT um, I just haven't had a chance to but um, they had title matches they had number one content they were setting things up it was a takeover worthy card so they put a good card out there now strategy wise was that a good idea going up against a debuting no. wrestling company I don't think so because why not just you knew, save that? You knew going into this Wednesday, you were you going, were going to lose. You were going to lose because the curiosity factor. Yeah, alone. alone. Yeah, is going to you're going to lose. Right. It's like, but how they weren't expecting to lose as bad as they they lost though. Well, especially in their eighteen to forty nine demo, uh, their target demo where uh, AEW doubled them in that. But as far as overall ratings. Uh, AEW on TNT did 1.4 million, and NXT did 891,000. So, so wow. <laughs> yeah, well, especially when they were coming off of a week when they did a million. Yeah. So they lost a little over a hundred thousand viewers. Yeah. Just to probably AEW, the people that were watching NXT. The only problem going forward uh, between these two companies and stuff is that. If you add those two numbers together, that's the average raw crowd. Yeah. So, how do you grow 
a fan, how do you make a new fan? Because if if this is the baseline is like 2.2 million and they're just going to split it one way or another each week, is that really good? Or I mean, I think the goal is to make new wrestling fans. And that's what I think NXT and AEW should be focused on is, is growing new wrestling fans and not necessarily fighting over the same group of fans that already exist. Um, Triple H put out a... Uh tweet i believe from what i heard i haven't seen it oh wwe put out a statement basically congratulating AEW. yeah and that the real winners were the fans yeah which is in a way we lost and we lost but we're gonna do it with a smile on our face kind of bullshit yeah and uh jack hager it was so cool to see him i did not even know and uh but it was cool just the shock factor alone it was Luger walking out on Nitro. <laughs> I don't think it was quite that impactful. I, dude, I do. I do. Jack Swagger, Jake Hager, is not the level of star that Lex Luger was when he left WWF at But his time. MMA, his MMA style and career alone has it's got the nostalgia factor. Here it is. It's, it's the Bobby Lashley or it's the Brock Lesnar that, the, you know, you... Yeah, if they can use him correctly, yeah. I think it'll turn out fine. But yeah. he has had issues with cutting promos. He's never been very good at that. I think it's good that they put him with Jericho for that very factor. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully maybe spin him off with a manager yeah. after that, yeah. like a Brock Lesnar who has a mouthpiece. Yes. Um, because, I mean, but even Brock Lesnar is leaps and bounds a better speaker than Jake Hager uh, ever was. I only watched the first hour uh, live, and then I had I had to crash. Uh, but I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a decent premiere. I'm not going to give them an A plus on. Uh, number one, I was kind of disappointed that they didn't give it a unique set. Compare it was just the pay per view set, which I mean. I was I'm complimenting NWA on their simple set, but when you're trying to be big time, when you're trying to say we are on the level of WWE, and that's not what the NWA is saying. Yeah, the NWA is offering something completely different. But AEW, who's in this twelve thousand seat arena and it's full, and you've got and everyone's screaming and and just the anticipation and stuff. I think it needs a different set. It yeah. needs a, it needs a different look, a unique look to it uh, to separate it from the pay-per-views so I was kind of disappointed about that I was kind of also really disappointed that they didn't do more great video packages like they did one right before the Cody match that was pretty good but really nothing else after that and especially they really missed an opportunity going into the women's title match which really should have been in the main event slot and been built up all night long i thought so i thought there were some missteps in that department but as far as production i thought it looked clean i thought uh tony Schiavone actually did really good compared to nwa 70 which is the last time i've heard tony call uh, a show and he, yeah. he called the main event and i just thought he was very disinterested and didn't want to be there but he was re-energized uh, to be on TNT again after all these years. And Excalibur and JR, this was, I think, the best combination of announcers I've ever heard from AEW so yes. far. And I thought that... They brought the history factor 
and they brought the new age factor all rolled into one which is really fucking cool for me specifically because right out of the gate Cody Rhodes and Sammy Cavaro being the first match out you know they're comparing it to uh, Brian Pillman and Jushin Thunder Liger that well, which they had an opportunity. They really should have looked into booking Brian Pillman Jr. and Jushin Liger. Oh, my God. That had been great. They don't have the relationship with New Japan to be able to get Liger, but that would have been that would have been really awesome, I think, just to tie. Because that was the first match for Nitro. Well, the, the Brian Pillman Sr., yeah, yeah. But I think that would have been a really cool way to historical factor to yeah kick it off. well yeah and to acknowledge lapsed fans but then go into something new like cody rhodes versus sammy guevara or something. well and the fact that you have that would have been really fucking awesome actually because that would build a god that would build uh brian pillman jr into a main star role on a huge you know a huge platform and so yeah no that would have been awesome uh anyway man it just god it was great and i got a feeling that in my opinion they put on a better card a better show than what nxt did um did they show their entire full deck no they didn't give the the whole the whole full house a you know of cards and uh they didn't show their full hand yeah and and the wrestlers didn't go full throttle or full gear as their next pay-per-view is called because i mean i thought the hangman page and uh pack match was going to be off the chain and it never really got into that next gear for me but um, i I think you're going to get that it was it was being the first like in wa 70 nowhere near as bad uh, with the editing and stuff, or with the the live screw ups, but uh, which all wrestling shows right out of the gate are going to have screw ups. But um, I think that they covered their screw ups well, but I, I, they didn't want them going full blown and end up having injuries or screw ups or anything like that right out of the gate. So I think they went they went the proper route that they did. They gave you what they gave you. They didn't give their full hand, but they set it up to be like, well, shit, I need to watch this Wednesday, and I definitely need to watch the pay-per-view because if they're doing this, I know these guys are capable of more, and I'm going to get it. And so, Yeah, well, and they, they've got to work on their pay-per-view price point, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but if these ratings continue, if they continue – the dominance and TNT got a bargain out of the deal because they didn't pay anything for it. This is a barter deal. They didn't have to pay AEW anything for this show. They get to run their commercials and that's so they get it for free basically and whereas USA and Comcast have to pay 50 million dollars for NXT. So yeah. <laughs> you're you're paying for the losing product while the winning product is being given to TNT for free. So then that'll obviously change if the success continues and then TNT's going to have to fork over some money to keep AEW on their network. But 
it's a it's a good start. Uh, I was very impressed with the with the first broadcast. I don't think it's that memorable of a first broadcast. Um, it's not a ten years down the road we're going to be talking about. Holy shit! That match on that first broadcast was amazing. Yeah, or yeah, Jack Swagger. Oh my gosh! At the end, like um, because, like I said, it's just not Lex Luger. I mean, it was it was a surprise, but I think that it, it, I thought it was. I've, uh, we differ on that one because I thought it made a huge statement. Yeah, I just don't think it's going to be remembered for much, and. Um, but a good start. I mean, yes, and you can build from there. You, they've done a great job of selling out their first few weeks of this thing, so the crowds are going to be into it. The the arenas are going to be full, whereas NXT is going to be in full sale with eight hundred people. Yeah, and so NXT, the pressure I think is going to be on them to get out of there and get on the road and try to, and that's why they're going to have to bring people like Finn Balor into the mix. Because they're going to need star power if they're going to actually take this thing into 15,000-seat arenas. Right, yeah. They can kill the lights in the nodes, please, section, but still do the McKenzie Arena for, like, NXTs and things like that. They're going to have to start doing those type of things because I like the closeness of it, but you're not you're not a NWA specialty product you're not a ring of honor specialty product anymore you're going head to head with a million dollar corporation you got to start bringing your a game and i don't think that that's what they're doing and i don't think that they're gonna they're going to until they get out of that then we had a thursday off from pro wrestling and that'll change quickly yeah and moved on to friday and what should have been the most important broadcast to the WWE in years as they returned to broadcast television with SmackDown. They even had they had the kickoff special with a red carpet and celebrities of sorts and uh, legends. And we were supposed to have, I think, legends on the main card of the show. But for whatever reason, their timing was just, to me, they really butchered the way this show was timed out. And... Ultimately, uh, something suffered uh, quite badly uh, from that. They opened the show with The Rock and Becky Lynch, which is a, a natural choice to open the show with The Rock. You have to take the biggest star available to you that hasn't been on TV lately. If uh, if The Rock wasn't available, this would have been Austin coming out first. Yes. But he's been on TV the last few weeks. So The Rock comes out, uh, does a bit with... Becky Lynch and, and King Corbin where, yes, King Corbin's a joke and gets a rock bottom. But I think this segment ran long, and I think this is where things started to fall apart for the show is because I think, you know, when Dwayne Johnson takes the time to show up to your broadcast, you're not going to say, you got five minutes, Dwayne. Yeah. So I think this ran a little long. Unfortunately, instead of cutting from the matches that they needed to cut from, I think they cut from the most important match that they had on the show. God, dude. Okay, here's my... Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. So the first match in Friday Night SmackDown history on Fox. So just to... That specific first match in SmackDown history was the Four Horsewomen... Becky Lynch and Charlotte taking on Bailey and Sasha Banks. 
and Charlotte gets the win with the figure eight and makes the SmackDown champ Bailey tap out. So your champs look strong uh, going into. You know what kills me is we've already seen this match so fucking much. Well, yeah, the combination of these four has has been done many times. It's kind of you're going to the well way too much. It's an NWO thing. I, you gotta. I think you need to go. You need to go away from from it for a while. Then we had a Bray Wyatt Firefly Funhouse with Seth Rollins, which took like 15 minutes, I swear, uh, as Seth was waiting to take on Nakamura. The match did eventually start, but of course the Fiend interrupted again and gave the Mandible Claw to Mr. Rollins. So I love that he's using the Mandible Claw. Prediction for Hell in a Cell, do you think the Fiend gets the belt? Yeah. I think he has to. Yeah. You can't do all this and have him lose. No, if or, you have him lose, you're killing it or, right there. Or have a fuck finish or whatever. Yeah, he has to. And I think Seth Rollins is definitely going to SmackDown, which also, you talked about it last week, which I also think that means that Becky Lynch is going to lose as well. So Hell in a Cell, even though they only have four matches, you could have a lot of title changes on this pay-per-view that's not really gotten a lot of focus on TV. So. Yeah kind of uh weird that they're gonna do i think they're gonna do these title changes on a show they haven't talked about much then we had uh one of the main events of the night i would say is the ladder match between kevin owens and shane mcmahon and i thought this one was a pretty good match i'd say the the best match of the night really uh the ladder match to determine who gets fired from the wwe shane mcmahon who (laughs) is vince's son so not sure how long. We'll see how long he stays fired for. He's going to go to Raw. Well, the term was terminated from WWE, so we'll see if they stick to that stipulation. Uh, so Owens eventually grabbed the briefcase. Uh, they did some nice spots here, the the, the usual, the uh, coast-to-coast, uh, Shane's elbow through the announcer's table, and then, uh, yeah, Owens was able to get the briefcase. And I think uh, McMahon's going to be off TV for a while, like yeah. we discussed. He's This is the most he's been wrestling in a very, very long time. And this match got enough time. I thought this was a proper amount of time for this your match. Second, your second main match for tuning in. Right. This next match is where we should have made some cuts. An eight-man tag for no reason whatsoever. Braun Strowman, The Miz, and Heavy Machinery took on Dolph Ziggler, Robert Roode, AJ Styles, why isn't he with the OC? Who fucking knows? And Randy Orton in an eight-man tag. And Strowman, Miz, and Heavy Machinery got the win, but this was all for an angle where Tyson Fury, the lineal heavyweight boxing champion of the world, could show these hands to Braun Strowman and actually leapt over the guardrail. So they're setting up some sort of angle. Now, to me, instead of having the match... Just do the fucking angle. Yeah. That's all you have to do. Uh, you don't uh, even have to... This could have taken two or three minutes, and I really question shooting this angle, especially knowing what happens later on in the show. Yes. I think the only reason they did it is to start prepping for eight-man tags because let's back up to Raw. We had Austin and Flair. Yeah, Hogan and Flair Hogan on Raw. Hogan and Flair on Raw, and you've got them going to 
Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Yeah, the real American is going to Saudi Arabia. Don't get me started on <laughs> well, that shit. That's where he came back. That, actually, don't don't get me started on that shit. Just yeah, yeah. Let, the same let guy, that one fucking die. Forget Just, what was it? WrestleMania thirty. No, the no uh, the one where he fought slaughter and that was oh wrestlemania 7 yeah, yeah forget no. that ever happened yeah we're, we we took on you know and ended saddam hussein in wrestlemania yeah, 7 Hulk Hogan ended the gulf yeah. war yeah no uh, no but now he, now forget he likes the gulf he loves yeah, it forget that shit <laughs> uh we're gonna have a team flair team hogan over there at uh, Crown Jewel. So. I think it's weird that they're doing a team match when a month later you're going to do Survivor Series. I think it's fucking weird that you're sending Flair and Hogan over there and giving some bullshit like that when these uh, the audience over there could give two shits about the match. They just want to see Flair and Hogan. Well, yeah, well, that, that's the point. Of, I mean, yeah, like you're, like you're saying, why even have them involved in a match? Just have them go out there and do what they do. Yeah. Have Hogan do a Hogan promo and Ric Flair do a crazy Ric Flair segment and that's Bam, done. You and then have a match with reason behind it, you know. Well have something have something set to lead into your eight man for Survivor series. That's what makes sense to me. You're giving this shit away over there when you could set up for Survivor Series by using using over there. So I don't know. It's stupid. It's crazy. Anyway, so now we go back to SmackDown. We had Roman Reigns versus Eric Rowan with Daniel Bryan on commentary and Harper lurking on the outside. Now, this is another match, just like the eight-man. These are the two matches that I would have cut time from, uh, and especially this one. How long did they go? Just estimated time. Uh, oh, it felt like forever. 15 minutes easy. And it was a lumberjack match. So you had all just to get people on TV, I guess. But you had that made him look like such geeks. Like Chad Gable, who's in the King of the Ring finals, shouldn't be a geek out there. And Ricochet should not be a geek. Your tag team champions, the Revival, were out there as geeks. Don't put people that you want to push as stars as lumberjacks. That's yeah. just common sense. But anyway, this thing went forever reigns did a giant dive swan dive into all the lumberjacks and rowan and it ended with reigns defeating rowan and uh brian extending his hand to reigns so they are teaming up to take on the former what were they called the hammer brothers or whatever uh, who knows the Har- harper and rowan the they were the Bludgeon Brothers. Bludgeon Brothers. I was close. Yeah. They're teaming up to take on the Bludgeon Brothers, which I was looking at the clock this Please, whole time. for the love of God, give them a new name before, you know. Well, I don't think they're being branded as that anymore. Okay. But I was looking at my clock as this night was rolling on, and I was like, okay, so when are, how are we going to get like an Undertaker segment, an Austin segment? All these legends. How are we? And and we still have to t- get to the title match. The shit that you promoted, right? You promoted. They're on a poster. You promoted them. WWE took full advantage of the card subject to change when it came to SmackDown. Oh right, and twentieth anniversary celebration. Other than a highlight video, yeah, there was no twentieth anniversary celebration. No. Uh, Corey Graves and Michael Cole, I thought, did fine on commentary. Back to the two man desk. Uh, Aaron Andrews had an interview with Kofi Kingston where she referred to him as the challenge. It was 
it was shaping up to be a bad night for Kofi Kingston when the interviewer referred to him as the challenger. Also, so the main event arrives, and he's introduced first because Heyman has to do the big talk-up for Lesnar. So the champion is introduced first before the challenger. I don't understand why you would put not have Heyman go out there and trash talk and then the New Day cut him off. And the champ comes out. Yeah. Well, I mean, where was the New Day at all? I mean, this was terrible strategy on Kofi's part to not have his friends uh, in his corner. And you've had straight into the match. It's like a 10-second match. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, so there was, at this point, when they're doing announcements, there's only like five minutes left in the show. And that's when I knew... That Kofi, was, yeah, that Kofi's getting fucked over. But I, not even, I thought, okay, it's going to be a three minute or four minute match. Oh no, yeah, ten seconds, and yeah. it this made, was Goldberg beating the shit out of Lesnar, but just reverse. It oh, even was, quicker than that. Yeah, this is a terrible end to Kofi's title run. I don't think he'll ever be put in this position again as champion. You, you have built this guy. And the crowd is behind this guy. A fighting champion. And he has been your champion for over 100 days. He was champion for 180 days. He was only champion 10 days longer than Jinder Mahal. But it feels like a long time. Anyway, (laughs) you should have gave him some sort of offense. Some sort of game plan. Something. Everybody else, even smaller opponents that they've paired with Brock. He could still lose. Yeah, I expected him to lose. He could still lose. But have your surprise get involved, cause a schmoz, or cause a holy shit, and he lose that way. Well, there was enough time for Lesnar and Kofi to have maybe a three or four minute match. Even longer, maybe, because the surprise at the end took a long time. And then they had a lot of time at the end where they just stared at each other. Because, they, like I said, they didn't time the show out very well. He could have run down instead of walking, from what I heard. I had I have not seen it. Well, not only that, it's like... He could have run down. He could have... The referee's down. He gets into it with Lesnar. Uh, he beats the shit out of Lesnar. And then it's the reveal, maybe. Maybe he's like... In a trend, like in a mask or something. Yeah, and then it's the reveal, and as he turns his back or something, Lesnar, he's the monster that you're building. Lesnar battles back immediately, hits an F five, one two three, and now you've set for, and he runs after him, or he, you know, I got the champ, you know, come on, motherfucker, something. You, you got to build that way. He could have lost. Kofi was still going to lose. He could have lost, though, in a much stronger fashion than just treating him like some damn indie star that you threw in there to get these hands. And uh, he, You treated him like an idiot, too, because yeah. it, it's not even like Brock charged in on him. He charged in on Brock and leapt onto his shoulders. Yeah. It was awful. <laughs> and... Um, I think it was just a disgraceful way to end his title run, and I don't. And I, like I said, I didn't mind him losing. I actually sort of expected him to lose to Randy Orton in the last couple of pay-per-views, yeah. so I expected the title run to end. But I didn't expect him to just be just squashed, just look, made to look like an absolute fool. Yeah. I mean, 
it makes all that pancake throwing. Yeah, you didn't take this seriously. You're you you are not a serious contender. You're not a serious threat. And I think they're going to break up the new day. And I think they're going to ship Kofi to Raw. And I think he's going to have to rebuild. He's going to fall down to the mid card. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Jinder Mahal. Like I said, they had similar title lengths. Uh, might be one of the goons in a lumberjack match in a few months it's the chase with Kofi was always still going to be better than his actual title win because it was 11 years in the making and you can't you can't replicate what happened at Wrestlemania that's a magic moment that'll be remembered yeah but now you're also going to remember how it ended and this is Daniel Bryan at that WrestleMania getting a big boot from Sheamus and getting beat in seven seconds or whatever. So maybe maybe it'll go the Daniel Bryan route, and in three or four years he'll be champion again or something like that. But, who knows? yeah, who knows? Uh, so awful. Just To me, just awful. Yeah. And then the big, the big surprise, the thing that was supposed to make us go, holy shit. So Rey Mysterio Jr., who Brock attacked on Monday, which I thought was very weird at the time. I thought, like, he's got this match against Kofi. What is this? Is this setting up something just for Saudi Arabia? What is this? And it is, but not with Rey. So he attacked Rey and Rey's son, Dominic. And so Rey's music hits, and out comes Rey, and beside him is a man. And at first I was like, holy shit, it's Dominic. Dominic is going to literally run down here and beat the shit out of Brock Lesnar. Which would have been fucking this is awesome. Ins- well, it would have just been really weird and insane to me. Like, Or he would have just run down and gotten his ass beat. Like, I, But still. But that's what I thought when I first saw, because I couldn't, I can't see. And so, uh, no, no. This was MMA fighter, UFC fighter, former heavyweight champion, the guy that took the belt off of Brock in the UFC, Cain Velasquez, who we've talked about uh, wrestling a little bit lately, and he, he's in fact been he's doing he was doing lucha stuff. He was yeah. wrestling under a mask, doing like moon salts and shit. No, this is not that version of Cain Velasquez. He is being booked as MMA fighter Cain Velasquez, and so he comes out. And unfortunately, the Staples Center it's not that recognizable. The crowd didn't go like holy shit, holy shit. I mean, there might have been a light holy shit chant, but he comes down. Uh, takes Lesnar down, does some ground and pound, and then Lesnar retreats with the belt. Tease is coming back. And then they just stare at each other. No promo. Ray doesn't speak for him. Nothing. And it just goes off the air. And yeah. So I thought they really botched, botched the landing. Couldn't stick the landing on this. Very important. Very important. Right out of the gate, like you said, you don't tell The Rock. You got five minutes. Rock went longer than he should have, and nobody's going to tell him he can't. Right. But I think that's that right there alone fucked up your timing for the rest of the night. And then when, like you said, when there was opportunities to cut, you didn't. And so then you have time at the end, but you're freaking out because you don't want your big surprise to get cut short. Right, because you've got to be out at 10. So... You, There's no overrun. So you're, you're a big surprise. You're scared that's going to get cut short, and you don't want that. So you make Kofi look like an idiot, which then was a fuck up. At which point in time, you screwed up, and you 
cut too much time, and you've got these two guys... Stalling. Stalling. Thumbs up their butts. What the hell do we do next? Yeah. And so it, it was a clusterfuck of a... It felt like a, a WCW kind of booking at the end. Yes. Where Which, Bischoff... <laughs> yeah. Um, it was also bait and switch to me. Not only bait and switch with the, the tease of having segments with legends which you know if the segments with legends were just going to be them playing cards with the apa and doing that kind of shit then i don't really care if that that's cut anyway but if you were gonna if you had something for the undertaker planned or if you had like for maybe he's got something at saudi arabia or wherever that would have been nice to have on the show too so you bait and switched me there but you also bait and switched me on this brock lesnar thing because his first match in 14 years he's never had a match on tv and since since then this is going to be amazing this is going to be the beast coming out and the best and kofi's a fighting champion and he's going to give him all he's got 10 seconds i mean it wasn't the finger poke of doom but i think you he's pretty fucking close you bait and switched us on the promise of a good main event yeah at least a competitive main event and for me if i'm getting that kind of shit in my main event what makes me want to tune in next week well the draft see they've got to have these but gimmicks going forward you got that right but at the same point in time for me it's like why i don't want to i you're obviously not caring about me put the belt back on Lesnar which is not what any fan wants which they have learned and shown in the past when you got a champion and he shows up part time Lesnar just can't be he can't be champion anymore fans aren't buying it it pisses fans off and fans are it's now they have other avenues to travel it was a big mistake on WWE's part and I've been saying that right out of the gate as well. Because it's like, well, fuck, they're doing the same damn thing. We, oh, well, we're we're going to start listening to the fans. No, you didn't. <laughs> and so. Fell for it again. You keep fucking over the fans, and they're going to start fucking you over. Because now there are so many other avenues. I'm telling you, WWE needs to get their shit together. Well, and also this this show this show is on Fox, a broadcast network. So you have the most potential eyeballs. You have the most potential to grab the new viewer. Like I talked about on the on the Wednesday Night Wars, make a new viewer. What if, if you, you had, had sat through that whole show, you had never seen WWE? You get to that main event and you're like, "What the fuck is if this?" If you have antenna TV, okay. Which there are people out there that are like, I'm not buying this shit. I'm going to get my free TV, which is three nine and twelve. Fox is one of those. So you're you you're reaching every single possible person in the United States. Basically, yeah. I mean, available in available in households that can't afford cable, dish, sling, whatever. You are reaching. You have the possibility of reaching every single person even the guys the people that can't afford it that like i said they have antennas plugged into there because you still do have antenna tv and you're getting just those big three you're reaching everybody if i'm tuning in because i got three channels to pick from and it's a sporting event so i'm gonna tune in and you fuck me over on that (laughs) yeah i won't be back no So, as I mentioned, when they were going into 
this deal with Fox and going on Fridays. Last Man Standing, which was airing on Fridays, was doing over four million. Guess how much SmackDown did? Probably not even half that. No, it, it got close, just under four. But they couldn't even top Last Man Standing. So you're already starting lower than expected. And this was and and this is curiosity factor. This is the Rock coming back. This is and the tease of legends and so all your tricks you put all your tricks out there you had a ladder match you had a title match Lesnar's first match in 14 years anything short of an inferno or hell in a cell or elimination chamber you pretty much gave it to him or you said you were going to give it to him yeah and so you pulled out your bag of tricks and you got less than 4 million on your first episode and you're going to trend down. So it's just how far are you going to trend down? You you got to yeah. Exactly. You got to start sweating going well, what the hell do I do? How can we fix this? And I don't think the draft's going to save it either. Yeah. All right. Well, this was my pick and I'm kind of regretting it because I thought SmackDown was going to be better than what it was. Uh you picked the very first one of all time. I picked four months later when they actually went to weekly TV shows. This is the first weekly TV show. Uh, SmackDown, August 26th, 1999. and On the UPN. Right. Yeah, it was taped on August the 24th. This is coming off of SummerSlam 99, the triple threat between Triple H, Mankind, and Stone Cold had a triple threat with Jesse Ventura as the special guest referee. This was the infamous match where... Austin did not want to drop the belt to Hunter, so he dropped it to Mankind, who then in turn dropped it to Hunter on Raw, which, again, if you are going into a new show, Patrick, and you know, we really want to get this belt on Hunter, why wouldn't you just do this on SmackDown? And maybe it was the fear of it being taped and they didn't want the spoilers to get out because people would not watch but it didn't affect Mankind's first title win at the start of 1999 when that was taped and people knew about it. WCW told you about it. People wanted to watch it. People want to see title changes. So I thought that was kind of foolish that they gave him the belt on Raw and not this SmackDown on their their broadcast partner. I agree. This did a 4.2 rating, so better than the pilot, and for UPN standards would be a pretty good number the upn was not a very highly rated network i mean they had a few hits here and there but uh not really ever a contender to to get to like fox's level as the big four basically they never it never became the big five or six with upn and wb so we missed some dark matches kurt angle defeated the california kid we missed Edge. Who the fuck is the california kid he has no profile i don't know he was probably just local talent okay Edge defeated Matt Hardy. D'Lo Brown defeated Hardcore Holly. Val Venus defeated Mark Henry. And Gangrel defeated Chaz, who was wrestling as Beaver Cleavage at this time, I think. So there you go. Those That's were the, a great freaking gimmick. That was the dark matches. They did a lot of dark matches before this Hell thing. Yeah, they did. So we start with highlights of Triple H defeating The Rock to go to SummerSlam for that triple threat match where Jesse Ventura called it right down the middle and Mankind walked out with the belt. So Triple H attacked Austin and took out his... his, With his long sleeve referee shirt. (laughs) Yes. Sorry, I had to 
point seven. Style watch, Jesse yeah. Ventura, always, always something going on. <laughs> so Triple H attacked Austin. He's very angry about losing, and he took out his knee so Austin could be written off television, as he actually had to have like knee surgery at the time. He also attacked Jr., which uh, I'm surprised Austin didn't come back and save him, even on bad legs. And then demanded a title match of Mankind on Raw. Triple H and Shane basically double-teamed Mankind, and Triple H was able to capture his first WWF title on Raw, which is something to this day that I'm sure still pisses him off, that his big first title win was just on an episode of Raw. So the original SmackDown intro plays, and we get Big Pyro and the SmackDown Oval set. Do you prefer the Oval set or the Fist? Oval. I'm an oval guy myself. I think this set looked a lot better than the fist. I do too. Uh, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler have the call. This was the SmackDown that had them as the commentary team, not the pilot. I was wrong about that. China and Triple H come out first. The crowd chant, asshole at Triple H. Rock watches on TV backstage. Triple H gloats about overcoming the odds and winning the belt. Line them up and I'll mow them down. Ross mentions they're at the Kemper Arena. Wow, oh. it's just a few months after the Owen Hart tragedy. I'm just shocked they went back that soon. That's, yeah. The Rock interrupts. And, well, like I said last week when we recorded, the one and only time that we saw Owen on SmackDown. Yeah, he was the Blue Blazer on the pilot, yes. The Rock interrupts Triple H. The Rock says that Triple H's game sucks. He says tonight he's going to beat his monkey ass and become WWF champion. Triple H says, uh, I don't think so. You're not in my league. Rock says you can shove the belt straight up your candy ass. The Rock then says he's going to walk down the people's ramp. He's going to get the people to chant his name. And then he threatens to put his shoe up Hunter's ass. But Shawn Michaels' music hits, and he interrupts, and he's still the commissioner of the WWF here in August of 99. And he makes the match, and he says, to be fair, I'll be the guest referee so that nothing happens. Okay, so how is that fair when it's DX? Well, if you remember, the last time they had interacted... They had issues, that's true. Well, yeah, they, they sent him attacked out, him. They Well, they sent him outside, yeah... To get his ass kicked. Remember, they locked the door behind him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They were like, see you later, Sean, see ya. And he got beat up, by, yes. which was never explained who no, did it. No. Uh, so, yeah. And also the heat that just, I mean, Triple H, the night after WrestleMania 14, where Triple H was like, he took his ball and went home. He didn't yeah. have it. He didn't have the right stuff to be the leader of DX. So... Okay, but which which was good on his part because that saved his career. What do you mean by him stepping into that leadership role? If he had took that and fucked up that night, oh, sort well, and also had Sean not hurt his back, Triple H might have still been in a mid card role for another two or three years. Yeah, so. He definitely benefited from Sean. Man, Triple H has benefited pretty much, like, fluked his way to the top in some sort of, in some weird way. So, yeah, Shawn Michaels' back injury, his career ending at the time, back injury, really benefited Hunter Hearst Helmsley. So, um, yeah, so I I didn't mind uh, Shawn appointing himself the guest referee. I think it added something to the the, uh, main event. It did. It, it would add a big something to the main event. as It would help them get out of the main event uh, since they booked themselves into a corner. 
Shane then appears in the ring with Triple H and appoints himself as the second guest referee. And what's funny is before Shane came out and Sean appointed himself guest referee, I was like, gosh, Shawn Michaels and Shane McMahon must have the record for most guest referee spots. And then Shane appoints himself guest referee as soon as I think I that. I think Vance is a close second. Man, it's those three. And Mick Foley, too. Yeah, Foley. There's probably, yeah, there's four in the conversation for most used special guest referees. It makes me want to go back and actually count it up. Uh, some Somebody out there has. It's got to be close. Somebody out there has. Shane's got to be in the lead, I think. Mick, Mick Foley's probably actually second. So, Sean says, Shane is going to be busy tonight because, well, you had a match at SummerSlam, which means you're talent, and I'm the commissioner, so I'm booking you in a match against Mankind. And then Mankind comes out, and... I love McFoley, but he he bombed here as he tried to do a rock, uh, a riff on the rock style promo as he was like the dozens and dozens of fans are chanting mankind's name. Didn't didn't quite work. You heard crickets. Yeah, mankind slowly creeps towards the ring. Rock says, "Piss on this talk," and so he gets in the ring. Mankind gets in the ring. They charge Triple H and China, but the Mean Street Posse run in to take the beating instead while Triple H and Shane McMahon retreat. A triple threat tag team title match is advertised as Undertaker and The Big Show will face the Acolytes, Kane, and X-Pac. You're not going to get that either. Chris Jericho's WWE debut tonight will happen against Road Dogg. Well, his in-ring debut. And Jeff Jarrett is shown walking backstage with Deborah and Miss Kitty. Oh, this is the start of the woman-hating Jeff Jarrett gimmick here. The very quick, long, the very quick run of the end of Jeff Jarrett in WWF. Yeah, just uh, a few months away from uh, showing up on Nitro and uh, with Vince Russo. Mr. Ass is also walking backstage. China took Mr. Ass's title shot on Monday, the IC title shot, because she just signed the contract first because he didn't have a pin. Stupid Mr. Ass. So Mr. Ass hit Jarrett with a guitar, and that sets up the match. Seeing the lower third and hearing Tony Chimmel just call Billy Gunn Mr. Ass made me laugh out loud. What what a gimmick. Vince Russo, you genius. <laughs> You're going to be Mr. Ass, a man who loves his butt. Jarrett just beats down Gunn. Gunn hits a power slam for a near fall. Deborah tries to distract Mr. Ass, but he has no interest in puppies. He loves his ass. China comes down to the ring and guitar shots Deborah. This distracts Jarrett, so Mr. Ass just rolls him up and gets the win in this non-title match. Then China and Mr. Ass argue about something, and he was going to moon her, but she low blows him and leaves to Triple H's theme music. So there you go. The tease of China's intercontinental title run is uh, upon us. Lillian Garcia is backstage with Al Snow. Big Boss Man is bringing Al Snow's dog tonight, and Al says, please don't hurt Pepper. Please don't hurt him. Howard Finkel is shining Jericho's boots backstage as he is now taking the place of Ralphus in WWE. Test is pacing back and forth waiting for Stephanie to show up to see if she'll agree to marry him. Kane and X-Pac then come out to Kane's fire and then the DX theme. The Acolytes come out next and we look at highlights of the tag titles changing hands between all three of these teams. Then Paul Bear, I forgot that he was their manager, escorts Big Show and The Undertaker to the ring to a terrible theme song which sounds like your church organ is broken and is just making noise. 
And Undertaker just walks over to the commentary desk. He's a big monster. He needs to learn that he's capable of doing things. Tough love. Tough love. Ross mentions that Raw would be airing at 11 p.m. on Monday, so I guess the dog show was happening, or tennis or something, as Raw would get preempted all the time back in the day. All three teams just sort of brawl. Teddy Long has no control over the teams. Bad refing here, Patrick. The teams all team up and dump Big Show over, and Undertaker gets pissed off, so he walks up. He says, Show, come over here. Come over here. And he smacks him, tells him to get back in the ring. He goes for a powerbomb on X-Pac. X-Pac fights it when Farouk misses a chop block to, to break up the spot. So Bradshaw has to do it and then boots Big Show down. Big Show then clotheslines both the Acolytes, but Kane hits his top rope clothesline and then chokeslams the Acolytes to the delight of the crowd. Kane was over here in August of 99. X-Pac and Kane double-team the Big Show, but the Acolytes drag Kane out of the ring. X-Pac saves Kane by kicking Bradshaw through the ropes, and this allows Big Show to choke slam him and pin him and get the win as Big Show defeated, what, four other people all by himself, Patrick. It was that tough love from The Undertaker. It was that slap across the faces. This was a time when The Undertaker was hurt. He knew he needed surgery. He was just trying to get through, and he was actually in real life trying to mentor Paul White but just try to get this guy healthy keep him on track never worked no but it was a decent attempt and it was a good way to keep Undertaker on the show because he's a big star so. well and the weak link of the team took the pinfall that's right yes X-Pac would start questioning himself uh, later on in the show Taker after the win says no mercy no mercy Tess is still pacing back and forth waiting for Steph. She shows up and he says, well, do you have an answer for me? And she says yes to having an answer, not to the marriage, and then walks off. Boss Man is out next. Snow comes out and wants to know where Pepper is. Boss Man says he'll bring out Pepper if you put your hardcore title on the line. Al Snow says, sure, I don't give a shit about that. We go to commercial and Al Snow is magically back in the ring. What an amazing run here. He... Went back, got his title, and came back in less than the time it took for commercials to run. Three minutes. And Boss Man went and got Pepper in that time as well, as he's out with Pepper, who has uh, who's a taste, muzzle on. Who's going to taste good in a very couple of weeks. WWF Unforgiven coming up, presented by Magic the Gathering. You ever play Magic the Gathering? Not. Card game. Never got into card games. Me neither. Al Snow runs for Pepper. He doesn't care about Big Boss Man. He just wants his dog. So Boss Man brings out some plunder from under the ring. Snow brings a ladder in the ring and fails at whatever he was attempting as Boss Man crotches him. Snow shoves the ladder in Boss Man's face, and he goes towards Pepper. This allows Boss Man to hit him with the nightstick and pin him right there in front of the commentary table. Boss Man takes the title, and then he takes Pepper. He did not live up to his end of the bargain here. And so... He lied and took Pepper away. Then we go backstage, and yes, X-Pac is tired of being the weak link in the team with Kane. And Kane is trying to talk him down as he yells, Pac! <laughs> and then Jericho is seen walking towards the ring. All these quick cuts reminded me of WCW Nitro in 2000. This is <laughs> Vince Russo style, like, don't let, don't let people think about it. Just cut, just cut, just go. Road Dog is out to the ring next. He says, hey, Jericho, you're about to be in cell block D-O-double-G, 
and I couldn't trade your ass for a pack of cigarettes, which I have no idea what that means, uh, but Road Dog did. Jericho is out next. No promo from Jericho, one of the best talkers in the business. Didn't even get to respond back here. Road Dog is in control early and hits a superplex to Jericho. Fink brings Jericho a beverage, which we later learn is a sponsor of the show, and throws it in Road Dog's face in clear view of Tim White. So, Patrick, referee, can liquids deep? Ding, ding, Really? Yeah. Even non, like, what if I just threw water in your face? Ding, ding, ding. Wow. Liquids of any kind. Yep. Wow, you're pretty tough. You interfered. What about powder, though? You interfered. Ding, ding, ding. Do they DQ on powder or no? Yes. Okay. I've. It's been a long time since I've seen powder. Something you'll, that's kind of missing. See, you'll see it in the very near future. <laughs> so Jericho hits a backbreaker to Road Dog, and then he grabs a table. Tim White just allows Jericho to bring a table and doesn't even try to get rid of it. Jericho wants to suplex Road Dog through the table. Road Dog does a shake, rattle, and roll punches, though, and escapes, hits a shake, rattle, and roll knee drop for a two count. Then Jericho does his double power bomb, but puts Road Dog right through the table, gets DQ'd, then locks on the walls of Jericho slash Lion Tamer. This is when he couldn't decide what to do, so he just kind of turned you sideways in a standing Boston Crab. And uh, we need a Lion Tamer. Yes, uh, I don't think this. Oh, AEW champion Jericho doing a Lion Tamer would be awesome. I don't think he can do it. I don't. His back is so fucked up i don't think he can do it anymore so jericho gets dq'd in his in-ring debut so what a way to go jim ross says we'll never forget jericho's debut on smackdown jim ross was lying he was wrong (laughs) jericho cuts a promo on tony chimmel backstage with fink says hey man that guy's doing your job you're better than him go beat him up so fink comes out to the ultimate warrior music we hear ultimate warrior fink runs down he's shaking the ropes just like warrior but the crowd didn't react to the music at all nobody nobody bit no one bought it was him for a second so yeah he shoves chimmel down and then chimmel takes him down and cat fight between the announcers Jericho just Is it really a cat fight if it's too many? I think so. If you're if you're ring announcers, you qualify for cat fighting. Really? I think so. Okay. Jericho is disappointed watching this. Comes out, fusses at Fink as Ken Shamrock comes to the ring and they bump into each other. How dare you bump into me? It would be Shamrock's final program before Shamrock left the company. It was a feud with Jericho and he was wearing green tonight. What was he doing? We don't know because his opponent never came out. They never mentioned why Shamrock was coming out. Jericho sends Fink to wag a finger at Shamrock. Shamrock threatens to break Fink's finger, and Jericho hits him with a chair. And then Shamrock wakes up and chases after the heels. Stephanie comes to the ring and says, Come on out, Andrew. Andrew Tess Martin. So Tess comes out and proposes again, and this time she says yes. And then they make out. Vince watching his daughter make out just really creepy vibes. He gets gets a lot of pleasure. Yes. The Mean Street Posse and Shane McMahon then put the boots to test. So poor guy just got engaged. Leave him alone. Mankind runs down, makes a save. So we have remnants of the union here. Up yours. Still together here with Test and Mankind. And Mankind chair shots all of the posse. Mankind says to Shane, leave those two alone. 
about Stephanie and Test. Mankind says, we're having our match right now. Mankind says, find some testicular fortitude, and I'm going to give you this chair right here, and you get one free shot. One free shot. And in the meantime, I'm going to have fun with the posse. Party with the posse. So Shane takes him up on the offer and slams a chair into the back of Mankind, who no-sells it, rises right back up, and takes Shane down with a back elbow and hits him with the mic. Mankind then clears the posse out of the ring, brawls with Shane by Lawler and JR's table, suplexes Shane on the floor. They get in the ring, Mankind Russian leg sweeps him, and the posse drag Mankind back out of the ring, but Tess big boots the head off of one of the posse. Then the Stooges come out and fight the posse. Even Stephanie fights the posse, which allows Mankind to hit the double-arm DDT to Shane and pull out Mr. Socko, but Triple H hits Mankind in the legs with a chair, and that's all it takes as Hunter rolls Shane over on Mankind, and Shane McMahon scores a win over the former world champion, Mankind. Chris Jericho and Fink run out of the building, and Jericho drives off in a Ford Taurus, which I thought was funny that he had a shitty car. And then Fink shits himself when Ken Shamrock confronts him. SmackDown brought to you by Hanson's Energy Drinks, which was the drink earlier that Fink was going to throw in the eyes of Mr. Road Dog. Then 10-10-220, call collect, of course, and the JVC Kaboom Box which was used as a weapon a few times on WWE TV. So We go to a sit-down with Michael Cole and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin says, Hell, I had a bad knee before SummerSlam. So this totally no-sells Triple H's attack. Yeah, I got torn ligament and stuff. And he says he'll be back. Well, Cole says Triple H says you'll never be the same. Austin says, Well, that's bullshit. Austin says it takes a mean son of a bitch to get to the top. So he appreciates what Hunter did, taking a page out of his book. Then we go back to the ring for an evening gown match, which would be one of few on UPN, as standards and practices would want them to tone this down. Women's champ Ivory, who doesn't bother bringing her belt with her, is going to take on Tori, because at SummerSlam she tore Tori's clothes off. Well, Ivory tore... Tori's clothes off at SummerSlam. Tori just comes to the ring wearing a giant shirt, so she paid no attention to the evening gown stip. Tori rips at Ivory's gown. Ivory rips at Tori's gown, shirt. Then Tori rips the dress off Ivory and wins the non-title match. Then Luna Vachon shows up for a half of a second to calm Tori down as we cut away to Lillian with China and Triple H. China says, show the champ some respect. Triple H says, Rock can bring anything he wants. And Sean needs to stay out of his way, or he'll make sure Sean never walks again. Which is a line he would repeat in 2002, I do believe. Sean going to ref in his Sean Michaels Wrestling School shirt. Cole, Brawler, and someone else congratulate Test and Stephanie as they leave on their engagement. Sean Michaels is out first with his t-shirt with the sleeves cut off, and of course, tied at the bottom like how girls used to wear t-shirts. And short shorts, so good fashion, Sean. And the most carny thing of all, so Sean had the wrestling school at the time, and he had the phone number on the shirt. Okay, that's fine. He wants to advertise a school. It was a 1-900 number, which means it would have cost you money just to call to ask about wrestling school. What a fucking carny. Wrestlers. They, and they, uh, they'll get a dime out of anything. Pinch that penny. I would have done it. 
Well, Daniel Bryan did do it, so <laughs> some people did. Lance Cade. Hunter and China are out first. Not a good sign for the champ. This is Hunter's chain vest period that Scott Steiner would rip off a few years later. And Triple H, by the way, not fully uh, inflated here in 1999, but he was on his way. He was well on his way. The Rock comes out and looks jacked, too. This is probably the best shape The Rock was ever in because he was still slender, but he was ripped out of his mind. Both guys look for their finishers early. Both counter out. China and Sean argue a bit. Rock throws Hunter out of the ring. They brawl up the ramp, and Hunter gets suplexed on the stage. Sean says, hey, guys, get back in the ring. Come on. Rock Russian leg sweeps Hunter on the steel. Then China low blows Rock, and HBK says, you're out of here. Hunter runs up to argue with Sean, and then he comes back into the ring to get DDT'd by the Rock, but Sean is still escorting China to the back, so he runs down to the ring and can only get one single count. Asshole chance as Shane McMahon reappears, and he comes out to fuss at Sean for throwing China out. Then Triple H suplexes Rock, hits a Ric Flair knee drop. Hunter puts Rock in a sleeper, but Rock hulks up. Hot shots Hunter for a one count. Hits a swinging neck breaker to Hunter. Then Shane gets knocked off the ring. Rock bottom. Rock goes for the people's elbow. Hits one rope. Comes back for the second. And then out of nowhere, Shawn Michaels with the super kick. And Shawn Michaels has rejoined his best friend. Yes, he is still friends with Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And just for good measure, Hunter had to get a pedigree in, of course, because I'm not just going to let you just take all my heat here, buddy. I'm the champ. So he pins The Rock on the debut edition of The Rock Show, SmackDown. And we get Crooked, Shane, Sean, and Hunter all celebrating with China at the end of the match. So what are your thoughts on this debut, second debut uh, well how many debuts have they really had at this point <laughs> what are your thoughts on this series premiere of smackdown that was pretty good not the best there's some things i could have done without yeah a lot of quick cuts between stuff yeah. which i hate and yeah. i hated in wcw in 2000 hated that jericho lost his debut to road dog who I love Road Dog, but Road Dog should have taken a loss to debuting Chris Plain. Jericho. Plain. Yeah, especially when you're building him up against Ken Shamrock, legit fighter Ken Shamrock. I thought the main event was really good, actually, for a TV main event. You knew you weren't going to get a title change, but the crowd bought it. The, when he started going for the people's elbow, I mean, the crowd was on their feet. They were hot. They never saw it, they never saw it coming. Yeah. So um, good for them. I thought that was... A very good TV main event. I like the Stone Cold interview. I think they should do more of that on their shows. Just have sit-down interviews where people tell you what's going on and not just always come to the ring or my guests at this time or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the stuff with Mankind and Shane was kind of shitty. Uh, too much Mean Street Posse. Um, but a lot of stuff was set up. A lot of... I mean, weekly TV is meant to build you're right to build to the pay-per-view to get the ball rolling on storylines yeah and so for that i have to say it was a pretty good debut now it wasn't if this was 2019 you see how they do debuts now and oh we got to put the stars from the past which it would have been weird to see who they pulled from the 80s that they could get their hands on like who they would call uh because they most of them were in wcw working at the time so um 
Yeah, Rick Martell is here, everybody. I mean, that's... Classic Freddie Blassie. Yeah, Terry Taylor. Well, he was on the committee. So, yeah, everybody was in WCW. Mr. Wonderful. They didn't have... And Piper. They didn't have anybody from the past to call. So they didn't make a big stink. Uh, this It didn't feel like a debut episode, though. It yeah. just felt like an episode of TV, sort of like in 2019. Outside of having The Rock and having a title match with a title change, and those two... And having Tyson Fury and Cain Velasquez show up, which I thought was weird. They did this two real fighters showing up on the same night. That's just weird booking to me. Um, Outside of a few things, notable things, on this Fox debut, it felt a lot like a regular SmackDown, just like this UPN debut as well. Felt like a regular episode of SmackDown. The ball's still rolling. There's no... Nothing major on this show. Nothing real memorable. It's not. It's 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 not. It's not like you said, like Luger walking out, or even, um, Jake Hager. Even it's not. They didn't even debut anybody. You know, it wasn't. So, on our rating scale, Patrick of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, this second first episode of SmackDown. Ray Mysterio. Ray Mysterio. Ouch. Not a big fan. I am going to give it a Jeff Jarrett. I thought that it was a was a mid Carter. Yeah. Okay, so it's my pick, and since we debuted SmackDown on Fox this week, I decided to pick another debut of another very important show in wrestling history, and that's why I picked the debut of Sunday Night Heat, and really the debut of Shane McMahon, who has unfortunately been fired. I mean, he was part of the company before that. I mean, he was a referee. He was a stooge breaking up fights and stuff. He helped break up the Mike Tyson thing. But this was his his show, the host and star. Vince was going to make Shane a star with Sunday Night Heat. So the original B-Show before SmackDown, Sunday Night Heat which started on the USA Network. I forgot that it actually started there before MTV because I just remember the MTV era so much. But uh, there you go. We will review the first Sunday Night Heat. Go to powerslam.tv, get a month for free with the promo code Retro Wrestling, or sign up for just five ninety nine. So that'll do it for this week. I'm Intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my clothesline's a clothesline. And bingo. Bingo. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only 5 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.